Hello, good evening, and welcome to In the Cage, episode four. My name is Zach Zaylor. Across from me is Scott Fetzko. And Scott, we've kind of had a, a few week break here, but with the school year starting and everything else, it just hasn't been a lot of time to get going, but we're back, and I'm happy to be here. Same here. You know, there were, even though we took a break, there was a small break with uh, with the UFC and some of the some of the events. So it was a little refreshing. Take a break, you know, maybe prepare for the football season, get your fancy drafts in, but uh, ready for some uh, new fights to come about. They've been announcing a lot and I'm really excited for this pay-per-view event this weekend. For sure. There's been a lot going on in the UFC and I we will talk about it later on in the episode. But your prediction for Connor versus Khabib ended up coming true. And I know that you were particularly happy about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it feels good. I, I, I kind of just called my shot based off of, you know, rumors and and, and just kind of how I've seen the UFC operate in the past couple of years. And I uh, was spot on with announcing with the trailer on Friday. Didn't have Connor and Khabib there to be a part of it. But, uh, you know, this fight's going to sell itself. So I'm, I'm just excited that uh, we finally got it underway and we're going to see, uh, you know, an undefeated champion versus one of probably the most polarizing figures in MMA and sports in general. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I know it's been a month since our last podcast slash the last UFC card, UFC 227. So how accurate were your picks, Scott, about a month ago? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, not my best time around. I've been batting over 500 in most of my picks, um, but unfortunately, I, uh, I went one and two with my picks. But, you know, one thing I just want to highlight on the card before we, we, we go too far on, on, you know, my shortcomings, this card did not disappoint. I actually didn't have the highest hopes based off of um, who they had scheduled and some of the fights that had kind of fallen out, but it ended up being great. The two title fights, super exciting, but not only that, all the fights building up to it were also exciting fights to watch. But just to kind of hop into some of the picks that I was that I went in on, we'll start with Cub Swanson and Rado Moicano. And I said that right this time because I was struggling with that last time, but Moicano uh, was heavily favored in this. I didn't really see it just because Cub's kind of been one of those guys in the featherweight division who's always battled, you know, somewhere in the top five, fought some of the top prospects, unfortunately lost to some of those prospects, but um, they're not prospects, top fighters in that, in that division. And unfortunately lost, but still remains, you know, a top guy in that division. Um, but the wise guys got it right. Moicano comes out with a, with a first round submission by rear naked choke. This guy's pretty legit on the ground. I mean, the second he went to the ground with cub, uh, it was pretty much over from that point on. Um, so, you know, first strike on that one for me, but I, I will, I will say, I want to see Moicano maybe step up and fight one of those, you know, top uh, maybe three to one guys. You've got obviously Max Holloway tied up right now and Brian Ortega with that championship fight kind of still being on the back burner. Uh, but, you know, maybe get him with a Jose Aldo, maybe with a, a Chad Mendez who just made a return. Love to see something like that happen. Um, this next one really stopped to talk about. It was the, the featherweight or the flyweight championship. And it was Demetrius Johnson, Johnson versus Henry Cejudo too. Um, I said that this was the lock of all locks. Uh, you just don't pick against Demetrius Johnson. And, uh, unfortunately I was very wrong in that, in that pick. So, um, not very wrong, but Henry Cejudo ended up defeating Demetrius Johnson. That's his first loss in the flyweight division. And they won by a split decision. Now, this was a super entertaining fight. This is the first time I've ever seen Demetrius Johnson even remotely tested in the flyweight division. Um, we're talking about a guy who went on 11 straight title defenses, the most title defenses by any champion ever. And that's why I just had a hard time picking against him. Um, now, again, like I said, this was a split decision. Um, so I really don't think that 
you can really talk about anybody else coming in back into the, the title fight against Henry Cejudo, unless you're talking about Demetrius Johnson, because we're talking about one of the most prolific champions in UFC history. So I'm not always the biggest on, on having, um, you know, champions who just lost come back and immediately get title title shots. A lot of times that doesn't work out in the past. We've seen, I think out of the six that have happened, um, only one has come out on top. So I, 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 Typically don't want to see that happen, but in the case of Demetrius Johnson, uh, I think it needs to happen, especially when it ends in a split decision. So um, exciting to see somebody new in the, in the title picture with Flyweight, somebody who's, who's finally tested Demetrius Johnson. But um, again, with it being a split decision, we got to run that one back. Now we'll hop into another rematch of a champion who had just lost his title and immediately got a rematch, and that's Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. This is the one I got right. Um, TJ Dillashaw made short work, knocking out Cody Garbrandt in the first round. I picked a submission. I thought that, uh, you know, they were going to be maybe a little, or Cody was going to hold back a little more uh, just because of, of the damage that TJ was able to do to him in that first fight. And uh, they went right at it just like they had, just like they did in the first fight. And, and TJ comes out on top. Uh, TJ's looking very good. TJ's probably, if not the best, one of the best bantamweights we've ever seen. Um, there are a few other guys who can hold their own with him in, in that discussion. But, uh, you know, I'm very impressed with what I've seen from TJ Dillashaw. He has, you know, the one the one blemish is the split decision loss to Dominic Cruz. And I think it's only – he didn't get that to run, get to run that one back immediately, and I think it's only right that we maybe see, you know, a TJ Dillashaw versus Dominic Cruz too and, uh, you know, decide who's truly the best in that, maybe see something – a little more convincing than a split decision. So if I had to pick for TJ, I'm going to probably say I'd like to see him fight Dominic Cruz, but you know, I wouldn't be mad if, if Hoffel Sunsal got his, got a shine on that one. Um, unfortunately, Hoffel Sunsal's last loss was TJ Dillashaw. So we'll see, but I uh, would like to see that fight happen. So based off of UFC 227 and all of the guys that fought a month ago, what do you think their next matchups should be? Yeah, so Moicano, I'm gonna say cut. I'm gonna say let's see a Chad Mendez or a Jose Aldo, Henry Cejudo and DJ. We gotta have them run it back. I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna bring anyone else in the mix. We're talking about the, you know, the best champion that the UFC's probably ever seen, and he lost by a split decision. We're gonna run that one back. And TJ Dillashaw, um, when it comes to a money fight, when it comes to what what's gonna get the most people tuning in, probably Dominic Cruz, and I'd like to see that one happen. All right, so moving on is the section we do every single week. We do current events, just to look around the UFC. And, Scott, I'd like to start off with this weekend, some of the bigger stories. Uh, Woodley versus Till. Uh, they've been cutting weight has been an issue for Darren Till in the past. Do you believe it'll be an issue this weekend? So I hate to say this. I really do. Um, I've been following, a, just to start, actually, I've really been following a lot, a lot along, as well as many of, of the, the, the people in MMA media on Darren Till's weight cut where is he at um, I've seen a lot of videos and pictures he's looking pretty thin he's not looking like his normal self and I think that's because of the weight cut but I do think that this is going to be an issue um, he didn't make weight in his last fight against uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson by four pounds now you know there's a rumor that there was some family issues going on he was having a hard time cutting weight he didn't he was in the hospital at night I, I'm not exactly sure what all of it summed up to but he didn't make weight by four pounds and this is a big big welterweight I mean this guy should more than likely be a middleweight uh, he's six foot tall he's wide he's got a lot of muscle up top um, a lot of times you see see 
you know, there's even some middleweights aren't his height. So I'd like to see him move into that division if he doesn't make weight on this fight. I'm confident that he's going to do everything he can to make weight for this fight. But because it's been an issue, he's missed weight before. He missed weight in his most recent fight. And because he's so big, I just – this is going to – even if he does make weight, this is just going to hurt him so much just because the amount of energy that it's going to take out of him, the amount of weight he has to cut. Um, I think win or lose – he should consider the move to middleweight. And if he doesn't make weight, doesn't make weight, he should 100% consider the move to middleweight. The one thing that I like that the UFC is doing, what I like and don't like, is they're now bringing in people to cover for these losses if someone doesn't make weight. But the only problem I have with that is that, yeah, as the viewer, I want to see these fights happen regardless. But as the athlete, for, from the athlete's standpoint, you know, Tyron Woodley has been preparing for Darren Till for two to three months. Now he's got a on the day before the fight has to consider fighting Kamaru Usman or somebody else in the welterweight division. It's a completely different fighter. Um, you know, it, it, you can't ask a guy to spend the amount of money that it takes to go through a camp, to bring in fighters, to pay his trainers, to go through the weight cuts, the nutrition, everything. And then just be like, Oh, and by the way, you're going to fight a completely different fighter than what you were originally training for. So we talked about this a long time ago when it was official, but Liddell versus Ortiz three, uh, what do you think about Oscar De La Hoya getting involved in MMA promotion? And do you think he'll have the same success in MMA as he did in boxing? So, you know, we did, we did talk about this when it was originally announced. They have officially made it um, official, I guess you'd say, when, with, with booking of a venue, announcing the dates. Because before we were just like, they just said, hey, you know, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz 3 is happening. It's like, okay, well, when, you know? <laughs> where, how much is it going to cost? And they finally announced all those things. Um, I'm not sure how I, you know, how to feel about Oscar De La Hoya getting into it because he's bashed MMA before. He probably felt threatened because it was, you know, on the rise. And in a lot of senses, it, it has kind of taken some of the shine away from boxing with, with people like Floyd Mayweather kind of, you know, stepping away and, 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 and some of like the people like, like Oscar De La Hoya that everyone knew who were big pay-per-view sellers now no longer really being, being factors anymore. Um, I think this is him wanting to step in, benefit off of the, the success of MMA, make some money and move on because he hasn't talked anything about a second promotion. He hasn't signed any prospective fighters. He hasn't talked about any other fights that are supposed to be on this card and it's in less than two months. He's just Chuck Liddell versus Cito Ortiz. Is this, is this a, you know, is this a one-off thing? Are we going to do this again? Or are we going to you know, is this just a quick money grab for these two? And then we're going to, you know, never hear of Golden Boy MMA again. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. He needs to bring in – You just when you, when you see new promotions come up, they're bringing in the prospects and they're building them up. He just went for like, hey, here's some names and I'm just going to try it out. And whether it's successful or not, I think it's a big money grab and he'll probably, you know, maybe dip his toes again in with, with somebody who is another big name. But I just don't see this being a long-term thing for Golden Boy. He knows MMA – or he knows boxing, not MMA – and because they are complete, two completely different sports, uh, it's going to be hard for him to really get a grasp on what it takes to recruit that top talent like uh, like a Dana White and a Scott Coke were able to do. Yeah, it almost seems like, to me, it almost seems like it might be a one-off thing. It feels almost kind of like a, a novelty pay-per-view, maybe. It, it actually kind of has the feel of the, the Tiger versus Phil golfing match Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So, you know, it's in a lot of senses, it is too. It's like, Hey, here's two people that we know you're going to tune in for. Um, let's, let's put it on pay-per-view and charge them this amount of money. Cause they're going to buy it. And I mean, as an MMA fan, you know, you, you grew up with Chuck Liddell. Everyone knew who Chuck Liddell was. Everyone knew who Tito Ortiz was. So 
I, if those guys want to make the money to go and do it and they just want to do one quick fight, I don't blame them for that. I just don't see Golden Boy really sticking around in this game. He's got a lot on his plate already. I mean, he manages probably, you know, debatably at least, you know, one of the top talents in boxing in, in Canelo Alvarez. I mean, he's got a fight coming up next week. So I just think he's not biting off more than he could chew. I just think he's trying to get into something that he knows will make money. They've expressed wanting to fight. He's got the platform and the, and the know-how and the connections to get that on pay-per-view and get a venue booked. So why not do it? Next topic is something that we've talked about multiple times here on In the Cage. Connor versus Khabib is official for UFC 229. And I know that, you know, we're still a couple weeks, maybe a month out. But give us your thoughts on the lead up to this fight so far. Yeah, so the number one thing is that I'm, I'm just I'm so happy that this got finally announced because this is the fight that the UFC and the fans and, you know, everyone needed to see because if, if, playing Sybil Connor's back. You know, so, I mean, it doesn't matter who Connor's fighting, they're going to tune in for it. And the fact that he's getting, he's going to fight somebody who is an undefeated champion makes it even better. Um, I'm a little disappointed to hear things like there isn't going to be these world tours. We haven't seen them go face to face yet. But I also think a part of that plays into the fact that, you know, you've got somebody who is the king of trash talk in MMA. And then you've got a guy who doesn't really trash talk as much, doesn't speak the greatest English. And uh, I just don't think they want to see him get mentally or, or verbally dominated in the public's eyes that we saw with Jose Aldo. I mean, when Jose Aldo and Connor faced off, Jose Aldo is can speak, cannot speak English at all. He's all Portuguese being Brazilian. And uh, he definitely got in Connor's – Connor de- definitely was able to get into his head. And I just think that this fight without the press conference is going to build and still do well regardless. But I'm a little disappointed to not see it. Uh, the one thing that I'm not surprised about and no one should be surprised about is what's been going on in social media. So – the one thing I knew when this fight was announced is it was Connor was going to take some shots, whether it was in interviews, whether it was on his Twitter, whether it was on Instagram, whatever it might be. It was just how far he was going to take it. He's attacked Khabib's training partners. He's attacked Khabib's father. He is going after everyone. And I'm, you know, it just, it just makes for good TV. It's what I want to see. So uh, I think as of right now, the buildup is good. I still think this is something that's going to be able to do 2 million buys. I'm hoping we get a little more this weekend with the 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 you know the, the UFC 228 being the pay per view before it. Hopefully, we'll get a little more build from it. But you got to be excited about this fight. The card's building around it well. Um, but even if this was just a one off fight with these two, where there was no one else on the card, um, you could still sell it for 60, 70 bucks, and people are going to buy that pay per view. And I, something I think is interesting that I saw on Instagram uh, yesterday was Connor took a, a line from. Ivan Drago poking at Khabib for his for his Russian heritage and he posted on Instagram with a picture of himself training and it says if he dies he dies then I'm paid twice so Connor's yeah. definitely starting to ramp things up here yeah I mean he's he can he can he can talk some shit and he's got a great social media presence so it's not over we'll, we'll come back with I'm sure there's going to be something that'll outdo everything we just mentioned before uh before uh October 6th so I wouldn't worry too much about that Final topic we have for current events is that the UFC held a press conference announcing some of the major fights uh, for the last quarter of 2019. And last time, you kind of gave a preview of top five fights that you'd like to see before 2019 was over. How do you like the matchups that were announced? And what are some of the looks that you did compared to the ones that got announced? 
Yeah, so so I'm just gonna go ahead. Other than McGregor and Khabib, the one which is which was my number one on that top five fights I'd like to see before 2019. The one other fight that was announced that was extremely exciting to hear about that I'm I'm glad they're that he's back is and this was actually my number five was Nick Diaz coming back and finally fighting and I wanted to see him fight Poirier and that's what we get and that is a big time fight. I'm very excited to see that fight happen. Um, Diaz sells. He's going to be at the UFC 230 in. Uh, uh, Madison Square Garden, big fight to book. Very excited to see it. Uh, the other one was I want some resolution in the slight heavyweight division. It's kind of in a it's kind of in a weird spot with DC moving up to heavyweight, Gustafson not fighting, John Jones on the fence um, or on the shelf. I mean, and and just not really knowing who is that number one contender because you know no one's really fighting. We did get that with Volkan Ozdemir versus Anthony Smith. Anthony Anthony Smith's been on a roll. Volkan Ozdemir was probably fighter of the year in 2017. Uh, we're gonna get that fight. Here, actually, I believe it's in, I want to say it's in a month. So that'll be a big fight. So that's a UFC fight night. Uh, got some other ones like Israel Adesanya, this last style bender versus Derek Brunson. That's going to add on to that UFC 230 middleweight division that we, we talked about in the last uh, podcast. And then a big one for the UFC fight night in Denver, which is the 25th anniversary fight. Good to see Frankie Edgar back after um, another, you know, he, he had that redeeming win against Cub. And he's going to be fighting the Korean zombie. A couple other fights that were announced. Uh, I talked about Cyborg Nunez. That fight needs to happen. That's a that's a female super fight that everyone would like to see. That has been announced for the end of the year. Very excited for that. Um, so everything I wanted to see. Oh, and then we've got, not only that, we've got uh, Holloway versus Brian Ortega, which will be big. Hopefully, you know, everything is squared away and ready to go with Holloway. And then the other fight that I really like, this is actually going to be the co-main event for UFC 229 is Tony Ferguson, who was a former, um, he was the former in- interim champion for the lightweight division versus Anthony Pettis. So two big fights, very excited to see these happen. Uh, the lightweight division active as always, all the top guys fighting. So really excited to see what happens. Um, you know, so almost all my questions have been answered. So, but I'm excited with what, what, what fights we're going to see. For sure. It's definitely been a great year for UFC in 2018. Wouldn't you say so? Uh, I would agree, and they're going to cap it off strong. This this second or this this back half, this last quarter of the of the year, they've 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 booked up almost every champion. That's the big thing is that we're seeing a lot of the top guys fight in the last six months or so, um, and even more than fighting in just the last four months. So or last three to four months. So I'm very excited about that. Moving on, we are a little under three months until UFC 230, as you just mentioned. Are you surprised the headline fight has not been announced? And because of this, do you think UFC has something up their sleeve that they just don't want to announce at this time? So there's something that I've, I've thought about for this fight because when you really think about the championships, they're all scheduled. All the big belts are scheduled. UFC doesn't like to do main events if, you know, it isn't a champion unless we're talking, you know, McGregor Diaz. We haven't, we've, I haven't, I don't, I don't think they've done one in the past like five years. So it got me thinking and there's no belts on the line. Okay. So let's, and I'm just going to go ahead and also preface this with, I have no insight on this. This is completely me assuming this is me just my head, just, you know, thinking all day about, you know, what's that fight going to be. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to step into the take chamber real quick. So let's take us to UFC 230 in New York. Who sells the most pay-per-views for the UFC who isn't Conor McGregor, who isn't Brock Lesnar, and who isn't Ronda Rousey? 
John Jones, who is from New York, where UFC 230 will be. John Jones, who has been off on the shelf for the past year because of a possible USADA suspension. John Jones, who has been posting about coming back or coming back with some of his sponsorships. John Jones, who posted a video, a Nike video, a former sponsor just this week, John Jones. There isn't many people you can put in a pay-per-view event who are going to sell it like John Jones. And we've got a perfect dance partner, someone who we put a fight on that some would say is the best UFC fight ever, and Alexander Gustafson, who's also not fighting, who's also not scheduled to fight. I'm thinking we might see Gustafson Jones too in Madison Square Garden. And I really hope I'm right <laughs> because that would be the fight to make. Now, if they don't, I have no idea what they would make it. So I'm just going to hope I'm right. And if I do, I'll look smart. But, you know, my la- one of my last questions in, you know, what do we need to see before 2017 is, is I need some clarity on what's going on with John Jones because we don't know anything. That's got to happen eventually. That would definitely be something to, you know, end the year on that would, that would surprise people. And if it is John Jones, to me, that would make sense that they haven't announced it yet because that would kind of – take a little bit away from Connor Khabib. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and, and I don't, and you know, Connor is, is the, is the pay-per-view King, but you know, if they could announce this, you know, maybe this weekend, maybe later. And then, because there is time still, but he's obviously training. We've seen it. Gustafson hasn't fought. I know Gustafson pulled out of a fight with due to an injury, which how the severity of it, we don't know, but these guys were the perfect dance partners. When these two fought for the, for the lightweight champ, light heavyweight championship, it was one of the most epic battles that's ever gone on in the octagon. I mean, some people, including myself, would put that in, in, in number one or at least one A or one B. I mean, it is, it wasn't, um, it was a battle. And some people could argue that Gustafson could have won that fight. So he's one of the only people who's really tested Jones to that level. So I can't see them bringing in anyone else. I mean, DC has an is has an injury. I don't see him fighting. Um, all the other champions are accounted for at this point. Why not make it happen? If, if, if he's cleared, if you saw it as ready to go, why not? I mean, that is the fight to make. If you're correct, that would, that would, that would, that would, that would be a call out of left field. Cause I mean, I know no one's really heard anything, you know, official or anything. Like you said, he's training, but if you're right, that would be, that would be completely crazy. Lo- I'd love to see it too. I think a lot of people would obviously. So getting into the last portion of the podcast, something we do every week we started off the podcast with a recap of 227 but we're going to do scott's picks for ufc 228 and scott you dropped to 10 and 5 after you were starting 9 and 3 but 10 and 5 is still good that's still 67 percent so looking at the odds as you were saying there's there's a couple oddities with the odds going on isn't there yeah so i mean i want to start low before we get into the to the you know the, the real meat but there is some interesting odds set up. There's some, there's some. I guess we just let us go ahead and say heavily favored, uh, heavily favored people in, in some of these fights, or heavily favored contenders in some of these fights. Uh, where I really just want to start, we're going to just look at the prelims. Um, I want to talk real quick about um, Jimmy Rivera versus John Dodson. So um, John Dodson being a former Ultimate Fighter champion, Jimmy Rivera being a former uh, WSOF champion coming over. Uh, fighting for 
the UFC now. He was on a pretty good roll with uh, being undefeated in the UFC, only having one loss in his career until he faced Marlon Marias and with a swift first-round knockout went down. Um, I still think Jimmy Rivera is one of the, you know, honestly contenders in that Bantamweight division. I think he got caught in that fight. And I think Marlon Marais is another star on the rise coming out of the WSOF. Um, so I'd like to see, you know, Jimmy Rivera come back strong in this fight. I think there isn't a better dance partner than John Dodson. I mean, he will stand up and bang with you. He's not going to play around too much on the ground. He's, he's definitely a knockout artist. So um, another guy who also fell victim to Marlon Marais fairly recently. Um, but I do, I do see this going Jimmy Rivera's way. Um, it's a three-round fight. I'm going to go ahead and say we'll probably see Jimmy Rivera. I'm going to go – let's go the second-round knockout on this – or second-round TKO on this one. Um, this is going to be a, a hot time to talk about uh, uh, Marlon Marias, but the next fighter that I want to talk about is Aljamain Sterling. So Aljamain Sterling, again, very good bantamweight. Another guy who was kind of rising in the division, um, was only really losing to like the top upper echelon, beating some of even the better fighters from the bantamweight division, but then fell victim to Marlon Marias by a, a first round knockout. It happens a lot, apparently. Um, but he then come, came back with a, with a pretty convincing decision win against Brett Johns. Um, I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to see him come into this fight, you know, kind of riding that momentum against Cody, Cody Stallman. Um, I, I think Marlon or Aljamain Sterling will get, get a win in this one, but I'm going to go third round decision. Okay. So that brings us to the main card. And as we teased a little bit, there's a couple oddities with the lines, but before we get to that, the first fight that we're going to go ahead and look at is Jessica versus Carolina and as we talked about before the podcast I'm not even going to attempt their last name so go ahead and give us a preview all, it point. is it is all good so uh Jessica Andrade versus Carolina Kovalkiewicz um just these are two girls who continue to battle pretty much only top five talent these girls have been fighting you know against the champions the former champions um I I, I really do like Carolina Kovalkiewicz as a as, in this division I mean she's beat some of the top girls she actually beat Rose uh, at, at UFC uh, 201, which I was actually there for, it was a good fight. Um, then lost to Joanna, then losing to Claudia Gadeja, and then getting two wins after that. Now, uh, as much as I do like Karolina Kovalkiewicz, Jessica Andrade is one of the hardest-hitting women in this division. I mean, this girl packs a punch. Um, I've you, You've seen her fight pretty much only the, 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 the top, you know, in her last four to five fights, being a, a knockout of Tisha Torres, um, our decision against sorry against Tisha Torres, a decision against Claudia Gadeja, uh, unfortunate decision loss again to Joanna when she was on that run. Um, I I think Jessica Andrade gets it done in this fight. I think she wins again by decision, but um, I just she she you don't want to get too close to her. And I see her I see her delivering a lot of, a lot of damage early and then and then winning the fight again by decision. Next fight on the card is Zabit versus. Brandon Davis and Scott, this is one of those big lines we were talking about. Zabit is a minus eleven seventy five, and that is a very, very big number. Yeah, so I'm not going to go against the wise guys in this one. Um, I got my first taste of what Zabit uh, brings to the table in his uh, last fight at UFC 223. He got that decision win. Um, it was a hell of a battle. The kid, the guy was more than happy to, to throw down with him, which was, which was what made it, made it very exciting. Uh, but he is one of those guys right now in the featherweight division. He's a young star on the rise. You're going to want to keep your eyes on him as you go. Um, he's first and foremost, huge 
for his weight class. I mean, we're talking about a guy who is in the 145 pound division and he's six foot one. I don't know how that works, but he's young. He's tough. He's got an interesting look to him. He kind of looks like a Russian Bruce Lee, but this guy delivers some, some serious, some serious power. I don't see him losing this fight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go with a submission in the third round on this fight. Or you know what? Second round in this fight. Next fight on the card is Shevchenko versus Montano. And again, if you thought the last number was even bigger, Shevchenko is a minus 1250 versus Montano. So how do you see this one shaking out, Scott? You're going to go with the with the big guys on this one? I got to. So Nico, Mon- Nico Montano is the uh, winner of the, I believe it was the last Ultimate Fighter. Um, the last winner of the Ultimate Fighter got the, the new strawweight title. She is four and two. She's only had six professional fights and she, you know, was a late replacement into that title fight. Now she won. There's no doubt about that. But Valentina Shevchenko is, I mean, she's fought the murderer's row in bantamweight. Um, she's just been waiting for them to make this weight class. I mean, let's just go through it real quick. She has a loss to Amanda Nunes in her, um, in, a, in the title fight at 215 split decision. Very controversial. Uh, she beat Holly Holm. She lost again by Amanda Nunes, who's probably one of the scariest women out there other than Cyborg. She's beaten Juliana Pena. She's beaten all these top fighters. And she went into her first strawweight fight and gets a submission in the second round. I mean, just she's she's a beast. Um, I can't even consider putting her not, you know, in the winning column on this fight. I'm going to go ahead and say, and uh, it's, it's a tough one to say, but I'm going to say first round knockout on this one. I don't think the I don't think Nico's a bad fighter. I just don't think the experience is there yet. We're talking about you know a uh, like a a world champion Muay Thai fighter. This isn't somebody who's just you know who's who's on her level at, at you know the Ultimate Fighter house. This is a proven. This is a girl's beat. She is a champion in her own right. She's beat champions. She's lost contra- controversial losses to champions. She is good, and this is her right weight class. So I'm excited to see it. Well, from what I've read about Montano, she's a big-time prospect, and a lot of people think that her taking this fight is maybe going to set her up to start doing good things in the women's division. So, I mean, I don't think she's not – I don't think she's bad. I mean, she's definitely a good fighter. She's beat good strawweight fighters to get to this point. It's just Valentina is it, – she's, she's, she's got the cage experience that, that Nico doesn't have, and that's why I just – I have to go with Valentina in this fight. So that brings us to our main card, which is obviously two names that people are going to recognize. Darren Till versus Tyrone Woodley. And Scott, how do you see this one shaking out on Saturday? So, and this is obviously barring that weight is not an issue. Um, Tyrone Woodley gets a lot of gets a lot of flack. A lot of people don't like him. Uh, he kind of whines a little bit. But he is a dominant champion. He, is, he had four title fights in a year, three title defenses in a year, and he fought some good fighters, and they were all of different different fighting styles. You got uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson being a being a just you know a karate world champion, kickboxing world champion. You've got Robbie Lawler, one of the most ruthless brawlers out there. You've got um, Damian Maya, one of the best jujitsu specialists in MMA. And now he fights a big Muay Thai fighter who is not as much of a counter striker as you would see in a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's going to bring the pressure a lot more, similar to what Woodley does. Though. Woodley likes to bring the pressure as well. So I see these two definitely, definitely, you know, on the aggressive in this fight. This is going to be a battle. Um, Zach, you have the lines right on this fight. You have the odds? Yeah, Darren Till's minus 115 and Woodley's minus 105. 
And that's about right. I figured it was going to be close. So I'm going to be, again, without weight being an issue, I, I have to go with Darren Till in this fight. Um, I th- as much as I appreciate or I respect Woodley and who he is, what he's done, Till is a bigger man, which does matter on certain levels. Till is a, a star on the rise. Till hasn't lost. Um, he's he's one of those guys who, he, when he talks, he's got that confidence similar to McGregor where he's just like, you just know that he believes in himself that he's going to be great. Um, I don't see his, his time in the welterweight division long, as I mentioned earlier, but I just think he's one of those next-level MMA stars who all he cares about is winning. All he cares about is being a great champion. He talks about it all the time. Whereas Woodley has kind of been like, I'm making a rap album. I'm doing the show for TMZ. I'm acting. I'm doing this. And I don't think Woodley's focus isn't there, but, you know, out of all the times he's doing that, Darren Till's in the gym working. And that's probably going to be a part of the reason why Darren Till gets this win. So, you know, I don't think this is some sort of fight where, you know, Darren Till beats the brakes out off him immediately and it's over because Woodley's is, is tough and Woodley's going to probably get his shots in too. But I'm going to have to go, uh, you know, a fourth round TKO in this fight via Till. All right, so for this weekend, you have Rivera in a second-round TKO, Sterling in a decision in the third round, Andrade in a decision, Zabit submission second round, Sevchenko first-round knockout, and Till in a fourth-round TKO. So hopefully in a couple weeks we'll be talking about you being 15-5. and five. I'd like to see it. I'm I'd sorry, 16-5 because you did six I'd, fights. Yeah, I'd love to see that. <laughs> Well, Scott, do you have anything to, to say to our listeners before we wrap it up here? Yeah, you know, working on looking into what we can do on social media. So we're going to bring a, a different level of presence. I know I keep saying it, but I'm not the greatest in the photo editing. I'm more of just a talker. So trying to get more into that. Um, you know, we'd like to get on iTunes. I think that's our next step. But if anyone is listening out there, I, I truly appreciate it. Um, we're going to keep this coming now that the fights are back. Keep it on a hopefully a more consistent basis. And uh, very excited for a, a team announcement. Zaylor and I will be doing podcasts live sooner rather than later as well. So we've been doing it from different areas. Uh, excited to be face-to-face, event, uh, you know, eventually and be doing these together. So that'll be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, maybe we'll even be able to start doing uh, live during uh, fights, which is something that I would really like to start doing. I would like that too. So, with, you know, there's a lot of stuff on, on the horizon. Um, we're kind of just getting our, our toes wet and getting comfortable with this. But um, if anyone is listening, truly appreciate it. Thank you guys out there listening. This has been In the Cage episode four. You can find us on a variety of different platforms, particularly Anchor. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on Pocket Cast. So if you find us and you're out there listening, thank you very much. This has been In the Cage.